Tonight, I get the wonderful opportunity to share with you on a topic actually that's very close to my heart. And it's about using your authority in Christ. And it's actually one of the most important topics that you can ever get a hold of. When you understand your authority in Christ, it really changes your life. But before I start, let's pray together. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for this evening. Thank you for this moment. And thank you, Lord, for your word, which is sharper than any two-edged sword, Lord. And it cuts through, Lord, any lie, any deception, any confusion, Lord, that may be in your people's minds tonight. Lord, I thank you that, Lord, even as we discuss this topic and share and think about your words, Lord, I thank you, Lord, that you're going to liberate minds and you're going to change hearts, Lord. And anything, Lord, that is holding your people back, Lord, you're going to give them the authority tonight to break that. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So how can you start using your authority in Christ to gain freedom and victory in every area of your life? Well, I became a Christian at the age of 19, and I believe that God was teaching me way before that moment about his authority. In fact, when I was about 10 or 11 years old, I was walking home from school, as I always did, with my sister on the way home, and we would be walking, chatting, laughing, making fun of our teachers, doing all the things that we would normally do. And every day we did this, it was absolutely the norm. But then one day, we're at the final stretch of road before we can get to the house. And out of nowhere, this big dog comes hurtling out of a bush and running towards us. And we are like in shock. And it's like a wave of panic comes up in me, alarm and panic all at the same time. And we're just kind of standing there and everything's kind of in slow motion. And then all of a sudden we start to run. We start to run. I'm like, Julia, run. And so we're running down this road, running down this road with this dog chasing us. And, you know, I thank God for protecting us because, you know, as kids are, you know, we're a bit random and we're jumping in and out of the road and it was just a bit dangerous. We cross the road finally. We get to the house. We're banging down the door. Mom, open the door. Mom, open the door. She opens the door. And she's like, what's going on? What's happened? And she can see the state we're in and we're like telling her what's happened. And so she puts on her shoes. I don't know what your mom would have done, but I know what my mom did. <laughs> she got her shoes on, she crossed the road, and she went up to where the dog was, and she began to tell the dog off. She began to shout at the dog, and the dog who'd been barking at us suddenly stopped, looked at her, and then he had fear in his eyes. And then he turned, and then he ran away. And I'm thinking, is this the same dog that was chasing us? Anyway, after that moment, my mum gave us a pep talk, and she's like, you must never be scared of dogs. You must never fear. Don't show fear. Always stand your ground. You know, dogs can smell fear a mile away. And so I'm thinking, okay. So the next day, I would be lying if I told you I was really brave and ready to confront the dog, because I wasn't. <laughs> but we walked down the same road, and I saw the dog standing there in the distance, and, you know, my heart sank. But I think I must have been a bit better than the day before because I said, okay, let's cross the road. And so we crossed the road, the dog's barking at us, and we managed to get home. But I realized the second lesson that night, that dogs guard their territory and they guard their ground. Anyway, this went on for a while. Then finally we say, enough is enough. You know, we live on this road. We can't keep running away from the dog every night. And I don't know what happened, but it was the day. It was the night. And we decided that we were going to cross onto the dog side of the road. And so, <laughs> yeah, we must have all the courage we have, and then we cross over, and the dog's coming straight for us, as always. But this time, we remember what my mom says, and we start to tell the dog off and growl back and shout and say, get away from us, get away from me. And then all of a sudden, 
the dog who's been barking so ferociously at us. He looks at us. And then he has fear in his eyes. And he turns and he runs away. And my sister and I were in shock. We're like, oh my gosh, we did it. We're completely chuffed, completely chuffed that we have overcome the enemy. Now, you know, the act of standing up and pushing back and gaining victory in all areas of your life is what we're talking about tonight. That's the real focus of what we're talking about tonight. You know, often we're dealing with really big battles, physical battles. Sometimes people can't really see what's going on inside, but we know what's happening. You know, sometimes you've got work troubles, relationship troubles, parenting troubles, health difficulties, financial problems. You know, there's so many things that can be going on in our lives at any one time. And people can't necessarily see what's going on. But the Bible says that beneath every physical battle is actually a spiritual one. Do you realize that? Beneath every physical battle is actually a spiritual one. Ephesians 6, verse 12, let's read it together. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. And so we understand from that scripture that those physical battles, those flesh and blood battles, they need to be won spiritually. Sometimes due to deception, we felt like we're really small or we're too insignificant to stand up and start to stand against the difficult situations in our lives. Or sometimes maybe it's lack of knowledge. You know, we are unaware that we can use our God-given authority to call into order what is in disorder in our lives. I don't know about you, but have you ever faced a battle that seems to go on for ages? Yes, ages and ages and ages. And at first you're hopeful. You're like, yeah, I'm going to get through this. I'm going to win. I'm going to win. But then the lies of defeat start to circulate around your mind. And before you know it, you start feeling powerless. Sometimes we've been fighting for a long time and we start to feel a bit battle weary. But I just want to encourage you tonight that no matter how tired you are or how fed up you are, God has given you authority to rise up in your actions and in the place of prayer to gain freedom and victory. Does anyone believe that in here? Amen. And also, I want to remind you tonight that actually, as a Christian, you have certain rights and privileges as a believer. You know, when you became a Christian, you instantly got a new identity, you became a new creation, you got a new spiritual armor, and you also got a new identity and a new authority. And that authority is what enables you to make the enemy sit down in your life. You know, we've been talking about sit down. And that lovely clip where the lion roars, Aslan the lion roars, and then the witch sits down. She sits down. How much is it that you need to take before you say enough is enough? Do you have to keep suffering in your affliction before you say, you know, actually, it's enough. This needs to stop. What will it take for you to start to exercise the power and the authority that Christ has died to give you? So just so that we're all on the same page, what does authority mean? Authority means that you have the power to give an order 
or to make a decision. And it also means that you have the right to direct or to control someone or something. If you have your Bibles with me, with you, please turn to Luke 10, and we're going to read um, a passage of Scripture. But just before we read that passage, authority comes from the Latin word octa, which means originator, and it can also be translated to mean author, master, or leader. And when you're the author of something, as you know, you are the one that writes the story. You dictate the storyline. And when you're the master, you have ownership over what you have. Okay, so let's read Luke 10. And here we're going to read about Jesus giving authority to his believers. It says, after these things, Luke 10 verse 1, after these things, the Lord appointed 70 others also, and he sent them out two by two before his face into every city and place where he himself was about to go. Then he said to them, the harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest, to send out laborers into the harvest. Go your way. Behold, I send you out as lambs among wolves. And then let's jump to verse 9. He says to them, And heal the sick there, and say to them, The kingdom of God has come to you. And then let's jump to verse 17. So this is after they've done what Jesus has told them to do. Then Jesus returns to them with joy, and he says, and they come back saying to him, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And then Jesus says, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means harm you. Amen. You know, the disciples, they're completely stunned. They're completely shocked that as they've gone out on their mission to do what Jesus told them to do, they were told to heal the sick and proclaim that the kingdom of God had come. But then they get this added bonus. They realize that actually as they're doing that, as they're going out on their assignment, they also get authority over demons. And they're completely stunned by it. But Jesus says to them, yeah, don't, don't be stunned by that. I saw let Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. He's saying to them, yeah, I've, I've already seen the commander, their commander, the devil himself, fall like lightning from heaven. So obviously, you are going to be able to, in my name, cast out demons on the earth. And so they realize that, and they start to understand that they have this wonderful authority. But it's interesting that it actually is given to them as they start to do God's work, as they start to go out on assignment, that's when the authority comes. But you might be sitting here and you might think, well, you know, Corin, I'm not one of the 12 disciples, <laughs> so how do I get this authority that they had to cast out demons? But when Jesus was at the end of his earthly ministry, he actually gathers his disciples together and he talks to them about inheritance. And in John 14, 12, he says, whoever believes in me will do the works I've been doing. And they will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. So say that again. Whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. Do we have any believers in the house tonight? Yes. Do we have any believers in the house tonight? Yes. Amen. Amen. So whoever believes in me... <coughs> You will do the works that Jesus has been doing. And it says, and even greater things than he did, 
because he's going to the Father. And then we also understand Acts 1.8, even more evidence of the fact that we have access and the same authority. In Acts 1 verse 8, it says, Jesus is talking to his disciples. He's talking to the early believers, and he's saying, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so they catch this. You know, we've been celebrating Pentecost. Today's the day of Pentecost. And we were worshiping and praying earlier. And this is the day that the Holy Spirit was actually poured out on all the earth, was poured out on all flesh. And when it was poured out on all flesh, it was because Jesus was saying, I've gone to the Father, and I'm giving you authority now on this earth realm via my Holy Spirit to carry out my rule and reign. I don't know if you're like me, but since I became a Christian, <clears throat> long time ago, but since I became a Christian, it was almost like everything that I thought was fine before became not fine. Does anyone know what I mean? Yeah, yeah it's like almost like your eyes get opened and you're like, oh, hold on a minute. I thought that was okay. But no, it's not okay. <laughs> and you start to learn things. But one of the things that really became apparent to me when I became a Christian was that, you know, there's so much brokenness, you know, around us. And then I became really open to see, you know, sin around us and, and rebellion. And it became really obvious to me. And another thing that became really stark, and I don't know if it became stark to you, is that there is one who we call in the Bible the evil one, Satan, the devil, whatever you want to call him, who is clearly in operation and he's operating against the purposes of God. And that's actually why God has given us authority as his sons and daughters. You know, he's given us authority to establish his rule and his reign in the earth realm. And as we know from what we're seeing around us, there's actually a lot for us to do. There's a lot for us to do. Remember, you're not exercising your personal authority. Sometimes you can feel like you have to work something up. No, we're actually standing in what Christ has done, and so we're resting in his authority. So it's not your authority. It's Christ's authority that we're resting in. And so now that we've accepted that we have authority in Christ, how do we actually begin to exercise and to walk in his authority? How do we do that effectively? Well, I believe that there are three keys, and I'm just going to go through them now with you. Three really important keys to how you can start to walk and exercise your authority in this, in this world now. <laughs> so number one is take your seat. Can everyone say take your seat? Take, take your seat. seat, yeah. Have you ever thought about how much you sit up, stand up and sit down in one day? Yeah, has anyone ever thought about that? How many times in a day you've sat down and stood up? Anyone got any numbers, any ideas? Uh, not sure, not sure. But anyway, basically, we stand up and we sit down a lot, don't we? And I was reading some statistics um, from the British Heart Foundation, and they said that on average, in an average week, we spend 67 hours sitting down. That's about three out of seven days just sitting down, completely just stopped, sedentary. And because of that, you know, we spend a lot of time sitting down. It's really important who we choose to sit next to. It's important who we choose to sit right next to. And the person that we need to sit right next to all the time is Christ. Amen. Ephesians 2, 5, 6. It says, God made us alive with Christ 
By grace you've been saved. And you've been raised up with him and seated with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Ephesians 2. Christ made us alive together with him. By grace you've been saved. And it says, and raised us up with him and he seated us with him in the heavenly places. So think about it. When God raised Christ, it says there he raised you and me. He raised us up with him. And then he seated us with him in heavenly places. In the spirit realm, we understand that that means that we are sitting in a rulership position. You know, if Jesus is sitting at the right-hand side of the Father, we too are sitting next to Jesus. And what is Jesus doing? Jesus is praying. And so therefore, we are sitting next to Jesus doing the same thing. And remember, it says he made us to sit down. He made us to sit down. So God has actually chosen us to sit down far above all the heavenly places and all the principalities and powers. And because you're actually seated with Jesus, it means that no demon, no, no, no force of darkness has any authority over you. The devil can actually only get a place in your life if you allow him to intimidate you or if you allow him to deceive you into giving him your seat. You know, I, I believe the Lord wants me to share something. I, I, I felt, um, actually, I'll, just, I'll just, just explain this. Just to explain um, what happens in the place of authority when, when we begin to understand it and so how sometimes before we understand it, we can be quite intimidated by the enemy. Um, my dad passed away about four years ago. And during the time when he passed away, um, I began to have really weird experiences and, and see things. That's the only way I could describe it. But one night I'm sleeping in my bed and I, I kind of, uh, I'm aware of something and um, I'm, I'm scared. So I'm like, I, I kind of scream and I don't know what it was. But anyway, this happened a few times over a few weeks and I'm thinking, what, what is this? And obviously it felt, it was very spiritual. It wasn't something that was physical. It wasn't like someone walking into the room. It was a spiritual thing. And so, thank God for Christian counsel, because I, I came to the church and I was talking to people about it, and I was like, you know, I don't know what's going on, but I keep seeing these things that are clearly some sort of like dark spirit, dark force, or whatever you want to call it. And so, I'm talking to this person, and they explain to me, look, take authority in the name of Jesus. You're a Christian, take authority. And, you know, sometimes, in our society, you know, we're, we're big on, you know, rationalism and intellectualism and all the rest of it. And sometimes you say things to people like this and they think, Corinne, are you well? And I'm like, yes, I'm well. <laughs> but I know what I saw and it was not from here. And I was like, Lord, what is this? But anyway, I decide, as the person has said to me, that if anything happens again, if you see anything, take authority in the name of Jesus. Yeah. And so one night I'm sleeping, I'm deep in my sleep, and then I get woken up. And I'm seeing something standing over me. And, and I just remember, in the name of Jesus, I said, get out. And I swear, I've never, well, I don't swear. I, I, I <laughs> when I said, get out, in the name of Jesus, I've never seen anything again. I've never seen anything again. <laughs> and that's the point. It's almost like the enemy was trying to, I don't know, gain entrance, gain attack, whatever he was trying to do 
It was very unusual, and it was something I'd never experienced before in my entire life. But I thank God that as a believer, I was able to stand in the authority that I have in Christ and push back against an enemy attack in my life. So now that we're seated with Christ, what do we do in that seat? Well, firstly, we don't run away. You know, when I was telling you the story about my sister and I, we were running away from that dog because the dog's barks were so loud. But actually, when I think back to it, the dog wasn't actually that big. <laughs> but in our sight, the dog had become massive, and we were tiny. And then as soon as we started to bark back, growl back at the dog, the dog shrank in his stature, and we grew in stature, and then the dog ran away. Yeah, and that's the same as the enemy. Sometimes he's trying to intimidate you. He's trying to frighten you, but you need to stand up, and you need to remember that you're a child of God, and as a result, you have certain rights and privileges. Right, so now what do we do? That Now we're seated with Christ. What do we do in that seat? Well, as well as taking our seat, we need to begin to battle in prayer. We need to use our authority in the place of prayer. Does anyone agree with that tonight? Amen. Amen. I was reading this amazing testimony recently, and it was about a lady. Actually, if you've done the Keys to Freedom course, you'll know the story I'm talking about. But there was a lady called Amy, and um, her story is being written out about what she went through. It's a true story. She had um, an experience where she had a lot of asthma in all all areas of her, her life. As she's growing up, Her sister has asthma, her brother has asthma, and they are in and out of hospital on ventilator machines, all sorts of things happening because they have asthma. And then on top of that, she gets married to a man, and this man has asthma. Yeah, and he has asthma so bad that he is basically, he doesn't want to laugh in case he kicks off an asthma attack. And then she and her husband, they have a son. And their son has asthma. And one day she's away on a work trip. Her sister's looking after her son. And she gets a call saying, your son is in an ambulance and he can't breathe properly. And so Amy, she's a Christian, and she's obviously in panic and in shock. But she knows what to do. She begins to start to pray. And as she starts to pray, she remembers Mark 4, verses 35 to 41, when Jesus was asleep in the boat and the disciples were there trying to wake him up. And so she starts saying, Jesus, Jesus, wake up. Jesus, wake up. And Jesus, will you help me? Will you help me? Will you help my son? And she's in the place of prayer, but she's, she's, tell- she's really shouting, Jesus, wake up. And then Jesus, in the place of prayer, responds to her. And she says, what happened her, to her in that place of prayer has completely transformed her way that she prays now. So Jesus says to her, Amy, Amy, I gave you responsibility over your son. Amy, you have the power and you have the authority in my name over this situation. Amy, I want you to understand that when you speak, the winds and the waves will obey. They will obey. I will not do it for you, Amy, but I will do it with you. And so then Amy, at this time, she gets all she can. She stands on the platform in the train station, and she she begins to pray. But she begins to pray like she's never prayed before. And if you can think about it, if you've you've had such a, a deluge of asthma, 
and you're now starting to pray against something which you've seen all the time. There was a new authority that rose up in her, and she prayed like she'd never prayed before. And as she prayed, as she stood in the gap for her son, she gets a call back a few minutes later saying that he's breathing absolutely fine and he doesn't have to go in the hospital. Amen. Amen. And I, I tell you that story tonight to encourage you because sometimes, you know, we can think that our problems are so large. You know, we can think that our problems are so big and they're so intergenerational. You know, they've been going on for generations and generations. How can you be the one that breaks it? I want to let you know tonight that you are all chain breakers. Yeah, you all have the capacity to break chains in your family, in your lives. It doesn't matter what has gone before. You're a Christian and you stand in the authority that you have in Christ. Can I get an amen? Amen. 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 Okay, so now we have learned how to take our seat and to battle in the place of prayer. The last point, the last key, which is really important for us when we begin to walk in authority and power, is that we need to make sure that we are not engaging or being trapped by the enemy. I've called it breaking free from enemy entanglements. Really important. I love having really deep theological conversations. You know, I'm just someone that likes to like, think and talk and I don't know, think about the world and why it's like it is. And in fact, I ask God so many questions sometimes. He's probably like, Corin, <laughs> it's enough. But I like to just really understand things. And I was talking to someone and they said to me, well, Corin, why is the world like it is anyway? Why, why is the world like this? Why did God allow all of this? Why are we in such a difficult situation? If there's an enemy, why can't he just leave me alone and I just leave him alone? <laughs> You know, why, why, you know why, we may, may, why we may wish that, why we may wish that the enemy would leave us alone, or why, my, why we may even try and pretend that the enemy doesn't exist. Unfortunately, he does. And there's no middle ground with the enemy. John 10.10 says the enemy comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. The enemy, the thief, comes to kill, to steal, and to destroy. His assignment is clear. And so whether we choose to get entangled with him, or whether we choose God's side is our choice. Galatians 5.1, really powerful scripture. Actually, reading this scripture has really touched my heart. It says 5.1, if we can get that on the screen, it's a really, really important scripture, just so everyone can see it. It says, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm, then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. And you know what a yoke is? It's like a, a, a rope around your neck. You know, it's saying there, why would you, now you're free, go and get yourself entangled back into a yoke of slavery with the enemy. The enemy is great at his tricks and his temptations because he's clever. And he knows that the bad things that we do, the sin that we do, the compromising situations that we get ourselves into completely separate us in our hearts from God. It's not that we can't come before God and we can't repent and we can't say, God, help us. You know, we've done something really bad. And it's not that God's not going to forgive us. But sometimes when we really get into that place in the depths of sin, we forget that we actually have authority in Christ. We forget that we can pray sometimes. And sometimes we go deeper and deeper into the situation. And so it's so important that we recognize 
that we mustn't be enveloped back with the enemy. James 4.7 says, therefore submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Let's say it again. Therefore submit to God, let's say it together, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. How can we avoid getting entangled in the enemy? It's traps. Romans 12.2 says, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but by, be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's one of the ways that we can start to meditate on the word of God and remember what the word says so that we don't get trapped, but our mind is continually being renewed. Things like you know, coming into the house of God, sitting continually under worship, under the word, reading the Bible at home and spending time If you don't even want to read, put the audio Bible on and listen. Listen to the word of God. It renews your mind. One of the easiest ways, actually, for us to fall into the enemy's entanglements is to get trapped in unhealthy physical and emotional relationships and attachments that can cause us to just hand over, just literally hand over our authority to the enemy. It's just almost like saying, you know, take... Genesis 2.8 says, it's not good for man to be alone. And we understand that it's really important for us also to form good relationships with people, good friendships, good marriages, good home relationships, good you know, parent-child relationships. These relationships are all very important. But unfortunately, the world is teaching us something slightly different. It's teaching us that we should form attachments to things that are very unhealthy. And the entire society is pushing that on us. You know, we're being pushed an agenda. And, you know, sometimes I've got children and sometimes the things they tell me they're learning at school, I'm, I'm completely, you know, shocked. Because I'm thinking this is actually teaching an entire generation how to form unhealthy attachments physically and emotionally. Sometimes we've bought into the lies of Satan. We've bought into his lies. Lies like... Is it such a big deal to have sex outside of marriage? Come on, talk about that. Lies like, <laughs> I just want to have a bit of fun. I don't get drunk all the times, just on special occasions. Lies like, it's been a hard week and I'm so stressed. I just need to take something to lift my mood. I just keep on going and going and I know I eat really badly and I never rest, but I just can't help it. These are lies of the enemy. These are lies of the enemy. And many of us, many of you here even, may have bought into some of them. But again, I just like to emphasize that they are enemy entanglements. The enemy wants you entangled in his ways. But really and truly, true peace and comfort is actually found in the presence of the Lord. Does anyone agree with that tonight? Yeah, true peace and comfort is found in his presence. And there's no drug, no relationship, no drink that can take the Lord's place. Maybe you have a compromising situation in your life today and you know, even as I'm talking, that you need to take authority over that situation. Matthew 16, 19 says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. 
Shall we say that together? I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed on heaven. With all of us here today, what do you need to bind today? Is it a habit? Is it a behavior? Is it a mindset that needs to be bound? What promises do you need to have loosed on the earth as they are in heaven? Maybe you're running away, but what are you running away from? What is making you run away? Remember, sometimes the thing you're running away, when you turn back and start to face that thing, it's not as big and it's not as scary as you thought it was. What ground has the enemy stolen from you? What ground do you need to take back that's yours? What do you need to disentangle yourself from? You know, we have to ask ourselves, sometimes we're like, God, can you give us more? Lord, can you help me? Can you give more and do more and help me more? But how can we ask the Lord for more when often we have not even taken authority and ownership over the things that he's actually given us already? I want to pray tonight for us all because I believe that it's time for us to decide to start to use our God-given authority. Yeah, if we could have some people playing, that'd be great. Thank you. You are not standing on your own. Remember, you're seated right next to Christ. And just like in the Narnia movie that we just saw, remember that the, the roar of the Father is right behind you. The roar of the Father is right behind you, and he is ready to fight on your behalf and destroy anything that comes up against you.